the second chapter. I want to start with the uh, fifth verse again, and we'll just read through here. I'm reading, of course, out of the uh, J.P. Green translation. In verse 5, Philippians, the second chapter, For let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. That's our topic. And then from from that down, we've taken a look at what this mind was. If we're going to let something be in us, we kind of need to know what it is that, and so the description, Paul will will come forward with that, who, who subsisting in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but uh, emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, having become in the likeness of men, and found and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, having become obedient until death, even the death of the cross. Now, we, uh, we talked last week about the first part of this, who being come to being in the form of God could have done the mission, the ministry, the messianic ministry as God. It would not have been robbery for sure. It would not have been illegal seizure of his position. But he emptied himself and he took on another form. And so this morning I want to talk about that again. The second thing that he did he took on the form of a servant, and then it says he humbled himself. I want to talk about his humbling this morning. It may be a little bit surprising, maybe a little surprising. But in his humbling, we're going to see an example that's set out for us. I believe the Lord himself has set an example for our life. It's not the example in heaven. It's the example that was acted out in the earth. We can't mimic heaven. But as he is, so are we in this world. And so this is what we need to talk about, how we see Jesus, his mind, his thought, his thought process needs to be also instilled into us. And let's just pray about that right now. Lord, we just ask you by the Holy Spirit of God that your breath, your life will be breathed into this house this morning. God, as we sit here, may we not just sit here just solemnly listening, but may we, may we feel and sense the urgency of your words which guide us correct us and lead us and instruct us and give us everlasting life. And I ask you, Lord, now that as we preach that the proceeding will go forth under anointing and that the hearing will also be anointed to your glory, to the growth of the church, to the function of the body of Christ. We pray it in your name, Jesus. 
Amen. 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 Let me start off again by saying, let this mind, and we did this last week, but I, I need to do it again. Let this mind, and this is a personal directive to the follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you need not worry about this. Don't try and get the mind of Christ if you're not a follower of Him. We see that going on a lot in the world. Can you say amen? Hollywood thinks they have, uh, you know, every once in a while, here they come with another one, you know. and They think they have the mind of Christ. They don't have the mind of Christ because they're not following Christ. The mind of Christ is special. It's for his followers only. So don't tell me what Jesus is going to do or would do if you don't know him. So we have this little personal directive to the follower, and that would be everybody in this house this morning, no one exempt. So don't feel like, well, I've been serving the Lord a long time, and so I'm just kind of slipping there, and this is for everybody else. This sermon this morning, the Word of God, every morning is always for everybody. Can you receive that this morning? Amen. So let this personal directive, let... Let this mind be in you. And now, this is a progressive work of submitting. I know that, that uh, when I wake up tomorrow morning, and I'm down here preaching today, and boy, everything's spiritual and everything's good. And then when I wake up tomorrow morning, and I look in the mirror, I've just, this old man gets up, and my spirit may not even feel at all like some overcoming Christian. I might just feel tired. I might be distracted from things that are going on, what I have to do today. And it's my responsibility. Everybody say that with me. My responsibility to let the mind of Christ be in me. He's not going to come by and hit me with a jolt of lightning and somehow... You know, just be overtaken and spirit going, no. Let this mind, this directive of letting the mind be in me is something that I have to deal with daily. And it's a progressive work of submitting. And I don't know if you've ever tried it, but if you get out there on your own, I'm sure you have, and you haven't submitted to the Lord that day and, and you're really not ready to face things, I guarantee you that the devil's going to put somebody right in your face because he sees that, you know, we have a wily enemy out there. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and he sees that, that you're not ready in your heart and mind. He's going to try and attack in that moment. He is going to try and pick off the weak ones. And so the equipping of our mind, it comes through submitting every day, this, this daily walk of ours. And then let me say this to you. If you feel like that it's something you don't need to do daily, let me read this scripture right here. It said, the disciple is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple to become as his teacher, and the servant as his Lord. So I'll never be Jesus. I'll never be to the place 
where I can say, get thee behind me, Satan, and Satan's going to leave for a period of time. He's going to attack every chance that he gets. But I do know this, that the same Jesus that overcame him is living in me, and by that same power, I can overcome by the power that was in him. I'll never be above the Lord Jesus. Don't ever think you're going to get above where the Lord is. And I like the Lord, you know. I think I get to a place, I don't need to pray anymore. I've been praying. I've been a Christian for 50 years now. And I've done my praying. I've done my share. And then I see Jesus. He just gets up and he says, I'm going to go pray. And he just spends the whole night praying. And we find him praying and praying and in the garden praying and submitting and, and all those things that he does every single day. Don't you know he was in the flesh too. Don't you know that his flesh was tried and tempted in every point as we are, but yet without sin because it's something he practiced every day of his life. So to think that we're above our master, that we don't have to do that anymore. We have some kind of a grace thing that we're living in and, and we don't need to apply all that to our life. To believe that one good-to-go prayer is enough. It's just scripturally unsound and unfounded. I don't know where the church got the idea that I just got one prayer and I'm good to go. I don't know where we got that. Now they're talking all about the finished, completed work of Christ. You don't need to do anything because there's a complete, completed, finished work of Christ. And so you just live in that work. Yeah, and while you're doing that, you better be on your knees praying and you better be seeking God every day because that, that finished work that God did in you, oh yeah, it's perfect and it's finished, but you're going to have to walk in it and work out your own salvation in fear and in trembling. I believe the good-to-go prayer has one result in our life, and it's called backsliding. We don't talk about backsliding. That's kind of an ugly subject, isn't it? No, backsliding. That doesn't sound good. I've seen people sit right in the house of God and hear great messages and go through just some great worship times and sit in the house of God and backslide. What does it mean to backslide? See, in the Lord... There, there's no place of, of indifference. There's, there's not a place where you just, you're just neither going forward or going backward. You're just sitting in one place. And no, you're either going forward or you're going backward. And so you can sit in a church and go backward. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, what I mean is, is when the Word of God goes forward, you just don't listen to it. You're not getting it. You don't care. You just keep going, doing what you... I've got it figured out. I'm going to do what I do, and everybody else can do what they do, and sit in the house of God and slip back a little here, a little there, until finally we're to the place where we really aren't hearing God at all, not seeking His face, not... Not really, you know, we look at the Bible, but it really doesn't mean anything to us. And, and so what I would say this morning is that the one good-to-go prayer is not going to work for the Christian life. Paul says in the third chapter of this same book, this same writing of Philippians, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press, I press, I press, 
When do I press? One time I come to the altar, I make that walk, I come down, I take the preacher's hand, and we pray and ask God to forgive us, and, and we're going to go on, everything's going to be good from then on. No, I press toward the mark. When do I press? Every single day of my life. I have to press. Because if I don't press, my flesh takes over. Uh, can I get a witness right there? I mean, I, I know I'm almost preaching to angels this morning. Pastor, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm talking about the flesh needing to press. And so this high calling, this prize, the prize of the high calling, that would be just the ultimate that we would get out of this, the prize. What would it be? Would it be authority in God so I can really do some powerful things? Would it, would it be position? Would it be that, boy, I'm pressing, so someday I'll become the pastor. Someday I'll have the microphone. Someday I'll be the prophet. Someday I'll be the big evangelist. That's what I'm pressing for. No, you don't press for those kind of things. You press towards the mark, the prize of the high calling. The prize of the high calling is to come into the stature of Jesus Christ as an earthly man. So no, the prize is heaven. No, wait a minute. We have, we're, we're not working with heaven right here. We're working with earth. And the prize on earth is to become as your master. Become as your teacher. That the servant, his responsibility is not to be the master. It's just to please the master and be as him. And so we press towards the mark and towards this end, we press every single day. Putting on the bracelet isn't going to cut it. Listening to religious music and maybe even some good religious programs on television, it's not going to cut it. you got to press. I'm going to press. The one thing that I understand about the Lord, when I quit, when I quit pressing... Guess what takes over my life? The flesh. Can you say amen? And so I press. Let this mind be in you is part of our pressing. Because the mind of the Lord does not want to work in my head. My own flesh wants to work in my head. It's not impossible that the mind of the Lord works in me. It's just really tough. So I'm not going to lie to you this morning. I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. I'm not going to tell you that this thing serving the Lord is just a breeze, you know, just jump on a merry-go-round and take the ride. I'm not going to tell you that. What I'm going to tell you is that you're going to press, and if you get the mind of God in your heart and in your mind, it's going to be because you pressed into it. The things of God are pressed into from the time of John the Baptist until now, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is pressed into it, and the violent, that, that word may be just a little overdone in, in English, but those that are, that are enough to press into that are the ones who are going to gain it. And so, 
again, it's not impossible to get the mind of God. It's just I'm going to have to do some things in order for that to happen. And so Jesus, look, he humbles himself. He humbles himself. I really don't like that word so much, humble. It just doesn't sound like something I want. Humbling is the opposite of what I really want in my life. I want to go forward and I want to take position instead of emptying myself. The word humble means to become low, emptying your carnal ego. To decline a position or place of advantage that should be yours, but you take on a lesser position or place. That's humble. I should be at the top, but that's okay. I'm going to step back, let somebody else be the top, and I'm going to be in this position. That's what humble is. We get all these definitions, you know, in English of, of our Greek New Testament, the Greek words. And sometimes we just have this, this really corny ideas about what, for instance, this word humble means. Humble doesn't mean to grovel around. Well, I'm just going to be the whipping boy. That's humble. I'm just so humble, I'm humble. I just, I don't know much, but I'm just, I'm humble, I'm so humble that I just let people run over me. It's what I do because I'm humble. I had a, a person come to our church years and years ago, and I've thought about this at times. Wanted to sort of correct, and that's people do that a lot. You know, you get that a lot when you're a preacher. Somebody say amen. A lot of people know a lot about preaching. They just really do. And uh, she's going to help me. And uh, she had this idea is that Christianity doesn't fight back. Christianity is passive. And she used that word passive. I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. He was not passive. So I start those descriptions of the Lord again, you know. And if, if you knew the Lord, you'd know that he's just everybody's whipping boy. No, I don't, I don't see that. And, and so I'm going to preach a little while about this thing, humility, and, and what he took on. And again, it's to decline a place or a position of advantage that should be and is yours, and you take on a lesser place. Isn't that what he did? He took on, he emptied himself, he took on the form of a servant. Here he is, not only just a king, he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, and yet he takes on this position of a servant. It doesn't mean he's not still king of kings and lord of lords. He just takes on this position and less advantage in his life. He could have done it. It would not have been wrong for him to do his messianic work as God. But he emptied himself and takes on this form of a servant. And so it, in this word humble now, Jesus has what he has done is taken the place of advantage and put that away and emptied himself that he would be humble. Now, Paul says this to the church. 
don't think more highly of yourself than what you ought to. Have you been around people that think a lot about their self? Well, I've, I've been around some. I can't wait to leave their presence. They just know everything. They've just done everything. It just And the best. Everything they do is the best. Everything they know is the best. Uh, it's really the same humility flies in the face of pride. You know, there's a thing that's, that, that gets a hold of us, and it's called pride. Now, listen, there is good pride in your life, and there's some bad pride in your life. When it goes to bragging, it's bad, and nobody wants to hear it. I just want to clue, maybe some of our young guys need to understand that, is that nobody likes bragging. Now, we use this thing once in a while, and, 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 and uh, the boys get talking or somebody, even Kay. I'll just look over here and say, quit bragging. Nobody likes hearing bragging. It's our pride, you know, comes up. And I do this good, and I do that good, and, and you do, and you do. Some of you are professional in what you do. You are good at it. But don't let pride take you over, because there's always somebody who's better. But this saying humility doesn't mean that you don't have any pride about what you do. Whatsoever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. Do it right. Do it pleasing. Work as a, as a man that's working before his Lord to please his Lord. Now, that doesn't sound like you know, humility. No, we just get down there and grovel around. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contest that a little bit this morning because, listen, we're constantly bombarded with what you deserve and you need to get what's coming to you. I see that, you know, I'll be watching something and they'll pop some, some kind of commercial on television that says, you need this, 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 this. It's what you deserve. It's what I deserve, huh? And really, some, a lot of them are, are, are about Social Security. Have you seen those? Get what you deserve now. It's a company that's advertising, but you're going to pay them to do, you know, it's, it's the whole thing. But anyway, you need to get what's rightfully yours, what you deserve. And guess what you deserve? Big fat goose egg. You don't deserve anything. But pride says, I do deserve it. And so the world is trying to build our pride up, and the Lord is trying to bring our pride down. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in due season, he will lift you up, right? So uh, there's a time when he'll lift you up, but not right now. You just put your pride down and let him work in your life. And so Jesus positions himself not as walking God in the flesh, even though that's what he is. He positions himself as a servant. Boy, that's a, that's a big drop. From being the king of glory, all the angels, all the ages bow before you in worship. And now... You set that aside, and you become a servant. This is what his humility was about. It wasn't that he would become a pacifist. I'm going to use that word a few times, because if we look at him, and he became a servant, to what end did he become humble? So that he could be kicked around as a pacifist? No. 
but for a specific purpose and cause, he humbled himself. What was that cause? It was the cause of the salvation of mankind. Mankind was lost. Mankind is dying. Mankind has no hope, no, no salvation at all, no hope of a salvation. And the Lord comes and humbles himself, takes on the form of a servant in a fashion of men. And the reason why he does that is for the cause that you and I could be delivered from the power of sin and darkness and be set free by his sacrifice and atonement of his blood. Come on, let's give him a praise right there. Keeping the cause in mind, we look at the humbling. I want you to know, you can search the Bible, search the whole New Testament. Jesus not one time what, did he allow himself to be punished or persecuted until the day of the cross? Not one time. He didn't submit himself to people that abused him. He didn't come under teachers that were false. He never was subjected to anything like that until the day of atonement. Until the day that he's going to shed his blood for the world. And so to look at him as just this guy that, that was just so meek and mild and he just never did anything that would rile anybody. Now that's, that's, that's being propagated. In our time, this Jesus, if you know him, he's just so meek and so mild. And But I ran into some things in the scripture. Uh-oh. In fact, I'm sorry. They tried to kill him before he ever got to the cross. He did not allow it. They tried to capture him and try him before his day of trial, and he didn't allow it. And when they came after him to push him over the edge of the cliff, what did he do? He got between the midst of them and walked away. And when they tried to get stones and he told them that uh, about Abraham that, that before Abraham was I am and they picked up stones to stone him, they couldn't find him. He got out of there because he didn't subject himself until this one specific time of his messianic ministry. But he did show defiance. And this is one thing I love about the Lord. He is a man. He didn't come as a woman. I love our women. But the Lord didn't come as a woman. Our women are highly respected. We, we honor them and respect them. But, but our decisions, our toughness, our backbone better come out of our men. Come on, men, say amen. We're not waiting for our women to lead. Come on, brothers. 
We're leading. We're out there. This is what Jesus is going to do. He doesn't come weak. He doesn't come as that kind of meek. He comes as a man. And I love my Lord. I see my Lord. I don't see him as a long hair holding a goat. I don't see that picture of him, just soft little halo around him. No, I see the picture of the one standing in the temple. He's got a whip in his hand and a little bit of sweat coming down his brow. And he says, you just try and come in here again with that stuff. That's the Lord, the picture that I see of him. And that makes me know that he was a man like I'm a man. He was filled with passion at time. He was filled with sorrow at time. He was filled with joy at time. But he was a man. Can the men say amen? I'll tell you something, men. There's nothing, I, I mean, yes, we do have a sissy culture around us trying to take away manhood. Yes, it's there. I don't believe the real women really like that picture. I don't think they want their men sissies. I don't think they want their husbands looking like homosexuals. I just don't think that. The world's putting that out. Even the church is putting that out. Got our guy up there, he's going to preach, and, and man, you look at him, and he looks just like a homo. It's really hard to listen to him. And he's talking like this, so soft and sweet and meek, and, and I'm going to tell you what, the Lord was blasting it out. The apostles, they weren't these little, little guys that are up trying to preach now, little culture preachers. No, they were men of God. They were men of God. And Jesus is this man. And so even though he humbles himself to a job, he fashioned himself as a right. You went out to see him, there was no question whether he was a homosexual or not. Because most of the time you came away mad. Most of the time you came away offended because of what he said doesn't line up to our fleshly life, right? And so, but yet he is not afraid to stand forth as a man. I love the Lord this morning. He, didn't, he doesn't submit himself to that junk. He's not going to be what they want him to be. He's going to be a man that stands up and preaches this gospel even though he humbles himself to this ministry and what it takes to do this ministry, he does not come off of being a man of God. He says to his own mother, if I said this to my mother, I would duck. Because she would swing at me and has. Woman, you know, that right there I need to duck on. Woman, what have I to do with thee in this matter? Boy, that doesn't sound like very humble to me. You're not even humbling down to mama. Because I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. He's not a mama's boy. Come on, say amen now. 
And they come to him later, and one woman stood up and right in the middle of the congregation and said, Oh, how blessed is the one that raised you and birthed you and bread fest you and, and fed you. And, and oh, how wonderful she is. And Jesus said, No. You want to see my mother and my brethren? Here they are. Well, that doesn't sound to me very humble in the sense that we would see humbleness. And to Joseph, who comes and finds him in the temple. Little guy's 12 years old. 12 years old. They've missed him, and they have to travel back to Jerusalem to find him. He was, they were there on the feast, and they left. They had to come back. They couldn't find him. Where's he at? Jesus, they were looking for him. Three days later, they found him in the temple talking with the priest and, and the leaders and lawyers. And he looks up at Joseph, and now I'm going to tell you what, this doesn't sound like the definition of humble to me. He looks at Joseph, his dad, who has raised him, and says to him, why did you look anywhere else? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? How awkward is that going to make Joseph feel right there? No, if you're about your father's business, we're going to go home and do carpentry. But he's not afraid, even though he is humbled, he's not afraid that what he says may offend people. I like to Herod. And so he's going to defy men, uh, authorities. <laughs> they said, Herod is going to kill you. And so you need to leave out of here. And I like what Jesus said. Well, guys, you know, just get my bag together. We've got to get out of here. Herod, Herod's going to he said, you go tell that fox. Behold, and I like that word behold right there. You just watch me. Today and tomorrow, I'm doing cures, I'm healing people, and I'm casting out devils. What are you going to do about it? Does that sound very humble? And on the third day, I'm going to be done. And when I'm done, I'm going to pack up and go somewhere else. That to me sounds like that he stood right up in the face of the authority. And it's a funny thing that Herod never came down there after him. Sometimes when you stand up as a man, you know what you do. A bully, a bully is always, he's always shooting off his mouth what he's going to do. But when he is really challenged in that place, and I know you going to high school and all that stuff, I've been through that, and you stand up in their face a lot of time, they find a reason to back down. And when you got a man who's going to stand up for what he knows he's doing, and he is anointed to do his messianic ministry, and no one is going to tell him, you're not healing people, and you're not curing people, and you're not casting out devils here. He's going to do exactly what he wants to do and has intended to do whether he is called humble or not. Get a little definition. Thank you, brother. That's my Lord. Get a little, little, def little different definition of humility here about the Lord. And in a perfect example of humility, how many believe that Jesus left us perfect examples? He's one of those that thought about things before he spoke. He's one of those that calculated what he was doing as being in the right direction. I know we're guilty sometimes. Um, and, and, and way back, I believe it's in the proverb, it said where there, there's a whole bunch of talking, there's never a lack of wisdom. 
And I think we get caught up in that. Sometimes we're not really thinking about what we're Jesus knows. He, Jesus never made a mistake. Never. I'm going to show you a perfect example of humility. Look in the temple and a man is throwing tables over. Money's flying everywhere. Doves are flying everywhere. There is, he's got a whip in his hand, like we said. And he is scourging the temple. He's humble, but he's going to do what he is sent to do as the servant. So within the confines of his definition of his messianic ministry, he's going to run them out of the house of God and challenge them not to come back in with that stuff ever again. That's the Lord that we serve. He's not just, you know, well, whatever. Whatever you're doing, I don't like what you're doing there, but whatever. It's just the Lord still isn't that way. He only accepts certain things. Come on, church, say amen. And he only accepts certain praise this morning. Everyone who begins to, to praise and say his name and sing a song and write a song, he doesn't accept that. His praise is for the holy and the upright, the comely before him, those that are walking this life with him, those followers of Jesus Christ. You are the ones that have a right to praise him this morning. Amen. Uh, he's going to call all these religious leaders Pharisees those that are leading the church those that are positioned people in the house of God he's got some names for them and this comes from the humble man you hypocrites a Greek word Hippocrates it simply means what went on down at the theater. Actors. Not real. Just acting. And what they would put on the parts that they would do, and we know that all on television now, same kind of thing. They're just actors. It's not really happening. You Pharisees are nothing but hypocrites. You say one thing, and you do something else. You look like you're holy, but inside of you is rottenness. You've washed the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is filthy. You are serpents. This is the humble man. You're serpents. Not only that, you are children of serpents. In other words, you have just inherited the same thing that your fathers did and their fathers did and they have persecuted the prophets of God and these say, oh, if we had the prophets of God now, we wouldn't persecute them like our fathers did. You are liars. You will continue to persecute the prophets of God and you will take me, Jesus says, and you will despise and use me. You are murderers of the prophets. You are whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. I'm going to tell you what, that was a good sermon. And I do think that when he got done with that sermon, he looked around and nobody was left. That's a tough one to, to swallow, right? That's the humble man. That's the humble man. See, I see resistance in the Lord. I see resistance when he purposely healed on the Sabbath. 
said, man, it's the middle of the week. It's only, they didn't use Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but they used one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it's about three, and he walks by a guy, and the guy's sick. I'll be back on seven. And on the seventh day, he heals. Why does he do that? He's throwing it in their face. Because he wants them to know, I am the Lord of the Sabbath also. So his humility doesn't bring him down off the Sabbath, and he's going to have to obey their rules, and he's only going to walk so far, and his disciples can't eat with, with uh, unwashing hands, and, and he can't help anybody on the Sabbath day, and he can't touch them. No, the Lord is humble, but he will exercise his ministry just exactly to a T. He will cause it to come to pass no matter what they think about him or think he is humble or not. I see resistance. When they bring a woman and throw her down in front of the Lord and say, we caught this woman in adultery, Moses' law says that she should be stoned to death. And I see resistance in the Lord. Well, if Moses' law said it, you know, we just, we just whatever your interpretation of the Bible is, that's just what we'll go with. No, he's going to stand up. And he's going to do what's right. And he's going to give truth. And he's going to give mercy. And he's going to forgive this woman who is in this uh, horrible thing in her life. And, and he's going to rebuke those. And he who is without sin, you cast the first stone. I love the Lord. He's not some weak little sissy Lord. He is the great, great Lord. He is a man. He is strong. He is strong-willed. He's strong in his function. He's strong in his ministry. But he will humble himself. I see resistance. When he will not answer Herod, I see him resisting. What he means by that, I don't have to answer you. You're an outsider. You know nothing about the kingdom. Oh, you're wanting to see some miracles. You're wanting to see some great things. Herod wanted to see him do something. And he doesn't even answer the king of the country. They bring him before Caiaphas during the trial. Caiaphas accuses him, and he won't even answer the man. I see resistance there. Can somebody say amen? Do you not answer the high priest? And a man slaps him in the face. But Jesus is going to stand there in the resolve of who he is, who he knows he is. He's going to call out things that are wrong. I don't know about your Jesus. My Jesus is not the one who just pacifies, goes along with everything. Whatever you're doing, he just lovey, lovey, dovey, dovey, anything and everywhere, everybody. It's all love. He will stand up and he will stand in his place. I believe he will point his finger and he will call out things that are wrong, things that are not right, and he'll stand if he has to do it all by himself and he'll call it out. This is the humble Jesus. The scripture said that we, that we should have the mind of Christ. So what does that mean to me, pastor? I'm just weak, little, 
barely putting one front foot in front of another Christian. That I don't want to offend anybody. You don't have the humbleness of Christ with that. I just want everybody to love me. Jesus said they hated me, and they are going to hate you. But that's only if you're like him. The world loves the church right now. You know that? Good buddies. Lockstep. I mean, just marching just together. Everything's good. I mean, the world is patting a church on the back, and the church is patting the world on the back. It's all good. We're all buddies. And then we see Jesus standing there. And he's calling it out. Do you like the stuff in your life called out? You're not going to like his preaching. Because he's going to call it out. See, things that are wrong are wrong whether you're humble or not. Things that need to be called out need to be called out whether you're humble or not. By not offending people doesn't mean that you're humble. I mean, we don't purposely try and offend you, but, but the Word of God has got to go out. Listen, there has to be those who, who will not go with the flow, but they will stand with Christ in His ministry. There's got to be someone, somewhere, churches, somewhere, pastors, preachers, somewhere who are going to stand up and call out hypocrisy that's going on in the modern-day church. The pastor don't name stuff, don't name stuff, certainly don't name churches, don't name people. Why not? Jesus did. Well, you're going to offend people. So did he. But his point is, there is hypocrisy in the church and God is not standing for it. There is false pastors and preachers in the church and God is not standing for it. There is doctrines of devils and demons being distributed in the church and men of God are going to stand up in the power of the man of Christ. God in their life are going to stand up against it. And so we stand this morning. And I don't stand in my power. I don't stand in my braveness. But I stand in that humility that Christ has that he puts in his men and says what's right is right. It's going to continue to be right. And what's wrong is wrong. It is going to continue to be wrong. And somebody is going to have to get up and speak the difference. Can you say amen? Just like the Lord. Just like the Lord. Someone said, Pastor, we just don't need to deal so much with doctrine and heresy, you know. We just need to deal with love. That's, that's what we've got to capitalize on. I mean, I mean, doctrine and heresy, they're there. They're in the church. No, I, I see a Lord who was completely humble, but he addressed it. He said, it is important. You need to know who I am. I'm not going to let you out of this building, out of this place without seeing who I am. That's the ministry of Christ. You're not getting out of here to just go on your way and feel good about it, but you're going to be challenged with this. And let me challenge you this morning with this. And it isn't about doctrine. It isn't about principle. It isn't about ministry. It's about Jesus Christ, who He is, what He determines, what His mind is, how He feels about sin. It's not about how you feel about sin. It's not about how the church feels about sin. It's how Jesus feels about sin. 
And that's what we need to preach from the pulpit. Somebody, if they have the humility of Christ in them, is going to be calling out sin. Seems like we stopped a long time ago calling out sin. Now, I'm not one that wants to get up every Sunday morning and and name a list of sin because I'm going to miss something if I do. It might be the things that I like or am inclined to, right? You know, I've seen that go on. We'll give a whole list of sin, but we'll leave out some of the things that, that we like, you know, so. But I'm going to tell you this. When I was a young man, they preached sin and they preached it strong and they preached it just about every, every service. And, uh, you know, we said people don't need to keep coming to the altar, repent, repent. But if they get Christ in their life, they won't. But some of them never had Christ in their life and they need, call, need, need to keep calling out sin. Well, we're to a place now where sins that were so obvious that they weren't even preached 25, 30 years ago are in place in the church. It's like we just looked the other way, you know. No big deal. Oh, they'll get married someday, so they're, they're living together. Why don't call that sin? I would offend people. If you're living in fornication, you're going to hell. If you're living as a homosexual, you're going to hell. If you're partaking of all the party world stuff, you're going to hell. I mean, I don't have to preach that if you know the Lord, but... But the Lord also did preach it, and he did tell this adulterous generation. If you don't get it right, you certainly are going to wind up in the wrong place. I think God's looking for those that are responsible enough to call down those who are surplanting in the midst of the church. God wants a clean church. Can you say amen? He wants a right church. And somehow people just wiggle their way into stuff. And, and you know, they don't want to, they, their children are, are wrong and living wrong. But somehow, you know, we've got this love and, and get around it. Somehow we're going to get around it. And I see Jesus standing there calling it down. He said, no, you're going to have to live right. You're going to have to live godly and righteous in this present world. The humility that he gives us in our life won't make us pacifists. In fact, the humility that he puts in our life will make us stronger. We will have stronger feelings about God and his way. Man, if I could just be humble, I wouldn't, you know, just everybody would love me. The exact opposite direction that the Lord's trying to take you. I mean, he doesn't want to really actually get any joy in people hating you, but they're going to. Because you are strong in your resolve. Humility is not void of strong resolve. I hope I've given you enough this morning to look at the Lord's life. And see that even though he humbled himself, he did not remove the strong resolve in his life. But he stood. For what was right. Oh, thank God. What a perfect example for me. Sometimes I'm too passionate about some things, not passionate about another, others. So in Philippians, the second chapter, uh, he writes these things. And then in the fourth chapter, he wrote this. 
I know both to be humbled and know to abound. This is Paul, the great apostle, writer, founder of much of the new church. I know how to humble and I know how to abound. What we're being taught is only just one direction is I know how to abound. Come and get your stuff. God owes you. You, 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 you deserve it. Come and get it. And Paul said, I know how to humble and I know how to abound. When God causes abundance in our life, it's glorious, isn't it? But usually following that is humility. Is that you didn't do that. I did it. You aren't the one who made your life. I'm the one who made it. We're, we're, we're doing this thing right now where you're just getting lucky, you know, and it's kind of funny with us, you know, where something good happens and you're just, you're just lucky. No, no, we're not lucky. God is the one who makes us. God is the one who guides us. God is the one who is helping us. And so Paul says, I know both how to humble and how to abound, and then follows it up with this scripture, which all the athletes that are really churchy tattoo on the side of their neck. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Oh, what is he talking about? I can't humble myself. I'm going to need help with that. Can somebody say Amen. I'm going to need some help with that because that doesn't come naturally for me. I'm going to need some supernatural on this one. What comes naturally for me is to, you know, just do my thing and, and bust my way through stuff. That's my natural deal. But the humility that God wants to bring us for a cause, for a purpose of this kingdom cause, this gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm going to need, I'm going to need his help. So I know how to humble. I know how to abound. How? I can do all things. I'm not talking about grabbing a football and running down the field. About really dunking over the next guy and just really slamming him home and looking back at him, pointing a finger at him. That's not, no, no, no. Take that Philippians 470. Get it off your neck. You have no idea what that's talking about. Again, that's the world trying to put God's, my, God's things into in, in action. I can do all things. What things is he talking about? I know how to humble down. There's times, brethren, that we're going to humble. And there's times that we're going to abound. I don't like shutting my mouth. I don't like, you know, some of the things that come along with ministry. I don't like it. But there's sometimes I need to humble. So I know how to do that. How? Through Christ, which strengthens me. Because he did it. Because he had a mind to do it. He humbled himself for this cause he came. I came into the world for this cause I came into the world. 
And he humbled for that cause. I don't see him humbling down to authorities. I don't see him humbling down to religious leaders. I don't see him humbling down to the, to the current status of, of culture, what's going on. No, he stands up and he calls it out right. And he calls sin, sin. And he calls righteousness, righteousness. But when it comes to the cross, he is going to humble himself now. How are you going to kill God without him humbling himself? <laughs> Tells Pilate, don't you know you don't have any authority that wasn't given to you? How are you going to kill God? How are you going to put God on a cross? Well, it's not God. You know, it's really not God. No, you're reading the wrong Bible. For it was God's blood shed for the purchase of the church. It was God in flesh dwelling among us. Can you say amen? So he will humble himself. He did whatever it took for the establishing of the kingdom. That was his humility, is that he came down. He humbled himself and took on a lower position so that he might establish a kingdom. Thank God for that. We, you, me, we are individuals that belong to that kingdom that he established. And it's a 2,000-year-old kingdom. And we're sitting here this morning. We're hearing from Paul. We're hearing from Jesus. We're hearing from the apostles. It's the same kingdom, the same people. It goes on and on. And of his kingdom and of his government, there shall be no end. We're part of it. Our children are part of it. Their children's children are part of it. This is a humility in which he came to serve so that the kingdom might be established. Can everybody say amen? Are you all tired of preaching so far? I say so far. I'm really, I'm really done. I mean, I don't want to trick you here. There's a saying that we didn't get it. We got it from one of the lumber yards, I think. Was it Meeks that said wit? Whatever, yeah, I think it was Meek's number. And they put out this advertisement, Wit. Yeah, brother uh, Aaron worked for him. Wit. Whatever it takes. And that was, you know, that's, that's what they were trying to go by. Let me tell you something. As Christian individuals, whether it takes abounding or whether it takes humility, we're going to do whatever it takes for the kingdom to survive, for the kingdom to flourish and go forward. And so, Lord, humble us to that cause. John the Baptist had it right. He said this, that one must increase. I must decrease. That's humility. What is it? They said, are you the Christ, John the Baptist? Are you the Christ? They said, no, 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 no. Don't go there. I'm not worthy to loosen his sandals. One coming after me is way more mighty than me. I have to step back. This is what Jesus did at Calvary. He stepped back. He said, okay, I humble myself so that the kingdom might live. Can you say amen? Isn't that wonderful? I humble myself 
And so I don't want you to go out of here this morning thinking Jesus was a pacifist and I need to be a pacifist. No, no. Jesus was a true man. He was a true warrior. El Gabor, the mighty, the mighty warrior God. He's warring against the spirits from the time he gets out of that baptism until the time he's hanging on that cross. He is warring against spirits. And he's a man that's going to conquer. Can you say amen? Jesus conquered so I can conquer. Will you stand to your feet with us? Let's just give the Lord a hand clap of thank you and praise right there.